Trump rallies here yesterday. I'm like sitting there going, I'm like, there's your COVID spike. Oh yeah. Between that and the and Labor Day stuff, oh you bet. It's it's coming. There's there's yeah. no getting around it. Labor Day was crazy here too. I'm sitting there going, I'm like, look at all these fools. I mean, yeah, they're some of them are masked, but inside the casinos when they're popping off the mask to drink or eat, and I'm just going, I'm like, Yeah, there's your there's your spike. Yep. It, it's 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 yeah. gross. It's maddening. Well, there was that one study, right? It said that um, if you if you contracted COVID, chances are you got it at a restaurant. Yep. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Not only that, it's been known for a long time that when you imbibe, it uh, does tend to lower the effectiveness of your immune system. So wow. people that might get infected in it and might have fought it off if they're drinking and drinking to excess, much easier to get infected. Wow. Bars are open again, right? That's uh, Didn't that happen last week? Ish. If they serve food, they're allowed to serve alcohol, but okay. I think it's still oh, not at okay. the bar tops. No, you can sit at the bar tops now. That, okay. was, that, was, that, was, that was unleashed okay. last week. Uh, but yeah, I think, Good luck, I Vegas. Think you, I think they still have to serve food, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm going to have to I, look that up. I think you're right there. I think that's still, still a thing, but now you can serve it at the bars as long as there's enough social distancing. Yeah. So... But, uh, but yeah, everyone stay safe for God's sakes. Right. Uh, good luck. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> good night and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Man. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 555. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Lovely Forehead K. And we're in Talk Week and Geek White. Why lovely, lovely forehead? forehead? Yeah. I got a comment last week. I have a lovely forehead. Was it one of the Is throwback pictures of you in uh, the no, it was, Andorian garb? No, it was from one of one Bigs? of our, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, no, it was from uh, our uh, precast picture. Oh, right, oh. right. <clears throat> well, yeah. well, your forehead does get a lot of attention in those. Well, yeah, it is. I'm not. I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. Yeah, you, I don't know why. You, you should ensure that uh, forehead for a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Like that inter- entertainment uh, anchor did with her legs. That's true. Oh yeah. And then, um, and then at some point, Jeff can quietly give me a bop on the head, and we can collect some money. Oh and shit! Finally, start making some. I don't know what what are we going to make when we get money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're just gonna just gonna sit and roll in the dough as we continue the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Dude. Yeah. Our cushions are, are stuffed yeah. with bills. And other than that, we're... <laughs> we're going to podcast on a pile of cash. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. we found our niche. Yeah. <laughs> we know what we're good for. Oh, God. That made me think of that construction veil video that you showed me where the guy comes busting through the sheetrock and does the, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kool-Aid. <laughs> some guys having fun when they're doing some demolition work. What else can you do with that, really? Yeah. yeah I mean, it is fun when you do demolition. I've, I've, I've actually been a part of some demolition work in the house. And yeah, when you got a sledgehammer, what are you going to do? Right. That's right. Have I some mean, fun with it's it. It's already fun. Now ramp it up a little. It's like yeah. that brick wall has to be taken down. And what are you going to do? Take it down the easy way? No, you're going to take it down the fun way. That's right. right. Is that writer going to go home before he's done writing? No, he's not. You take the sledgehammer and you just 
put the board in between his ankles. And yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's how it's done. There you go. That's that is how you got to get it. That's how you get and another. It, and it hurts you more than it hurts him, right? Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> if he'd only just written the book the way I wanted, right? Right. How else are you going to get misery's return? There you go. Thank you. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? You know, because I forgot it last week, I want to get it right out there. Uh, the book club is discussing uh, James Herbert's forty-eight, Herbert, Herbert, forty-eight Herbert, for the year, uh, horror in nineteen forty-eight. Germany releases some awful final cough of awfulness at England, and the entire populace gets infected. Oh, dear. Except for a very few. It's it's kind of Herbert's version of The Stand, but sets it during World War, post-World War II. So. Nice. All right. Let's hope QAnon doesn't get a hold of that book. and <laughs> Like that's going to be any more incredible. Yeah. That's, they, ugh, you can't write what they're making up. There was a great uh, QAnon uh, joke comic, QAnon and on. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, I started with the deep state and, you know, the virus was a hoax. And the next thing I knew, I was believing Hillary was eating babies to live longer. <laughs> it's kind of how that went, didn't it? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. how it started and where it went. Kind of, sort of. Wow. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Well, well. I got caught up on the boys. Um, yeah. Amazon Prime oh, Were they as tasty as I hear they are? Oh. Yeah. Uh, and then to my, you know, realization, the series is re- being released, ep- yeah. the weekly episode. Yeah, jerks, they switched it up on it. Yeah. Well, I hope you did your geeky uh, um, loyalty thing and, and review bombed them. <laughs> I was just so disappointed because I like I, I just clicked on the first episode play and then I'm like, I'm just going to let it play until I get tired. And and like after episode four was over, it's like, it's like, wait, where's the next episode? Dun, dun, dun. And, and then tired. I go through and look at the title card and the title <clears> card <throat> says new episodes every Friday. And I'm like, fuck you. Yep. That's why my wife and I have decided to wait till it's all done. We got plenty to watch in the meantime. That's, yeah. that's the crazy thing about this. I mean, did they, they, they're trying to yeah. create this event television yeah. like TV used to be, but that's gone. Yeah. Uh, event television is gone because what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm not going to watch it. It's it's on this week. Yay. No, I'm going to go watch the other thing that I waited for and yeah. get go through that at my own pace and then come back to yours at my own pace. I, I probably wouldn't have a problem with them doing this weekly release schedule type thing if it weren't the fact that the entire series is already completely produced oh, yeah. and is ready to go. Exactly. I it's, mean, it's, I, it's a thing. To, it's First of all, it's Amazon Prime. So... Who who gets Amazon Prime monthly? That's a yearly thing. Yeah. So it's not like they're we gotta hold on to them so that they'll subscribe next month too. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, they're, they're they're trying to create water cooler television in yes. a world where water coolers are rare because there's still a lot of people not going to work. Yeah, and and, and the people that are working, a lot of them are working from home now anyway. Yes. So. You know, what are you going to have the the virtual water? Actually, that is a thing now. There's apparently a virtual water cooler <laughs> thing over over it, Zoom. Which, it, well, you know what? The internet should have just been called the virtual water cooler. That's what it's always yeah, been. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I was like, I was so frustrated, and and it's funny too because I'm like sitting there thinking, this is exactly the reason. It's like one of the few complaints I have about Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard. It's like they shoot the whole season, edit it, have it ready to go, and then release it. Like, like Discovery was done, like they shot all of their scenes well before COVID hit. 
and then there was some post-production work that they were doing, a lot of it from virtual home studios and so forth. Sure. But apparently it has been ready to go for months now, and then they're going to start dropping it in October. Sure. But they're going to that weekly reschedule. Um Picard did that too. Right. Well, I understand more and of things like CBS All Access or any monthly thing. Where they want to keep you. Right. Yeah. They, they, want, they, want, they want to keep you, they want you to subscribe and then like the stuff that they're still producing to keep the subscription going. Because 10 episodes is two and a half months worth of subscription. At least. Unless you do Unless like you- me, sign up for one month, <laughs> binge it. And in fact, the last two times I've done that, I've gotten... Like it, whatever for whatever reason, I've gotten a free code for a month trial, oh, yeah. and they've let me use it, which is surprising considering I had the account, had it open, closed it, reopened it, closed it, and, but they still let me use that one month free trial. So sure, and and if you want to unsubscribe something, they will try to keep you. They will, they will off, usually offer you something. Say, like, hey, we understand you're leaving for whatever reason. Right. Like, for example, yeah. I uh, when. COVID began, I subscribed to the Great Courses Plus, which is uh, college lectures. And then, of course, I subscribed to Shutter. Okay. And yeah. then once the uh, $600 addendum, the government thing ended, I was like, well, it's obvious time to cut down now. So right. I started unsubscribing to a bunch of things. And both of them were like, uh, I tell you what, why don't you not unsubscribe yet? And we will give you the next three months for free. Then I'm like... A winner. So I have them through October at this point. The winner, it's you. Yeah, and at no extra cost, and then I'll reassess in October. Right. But yeah, I mean, and, and even like Netflix does stuff like that too. But the the one thing is that Netflix, even though they'll hold on to a series and not drop it for like a year after it's ready, they'll at least drop it all at once. Because like uh, Cobra Kai season three is has been right. done has been done for months, but they're not going to drop it until 2021, which, well, yes, I understand is only about another three and a half months away at sure. the same time. But, but there's, there's, there's still, Netflix has their things planned out. Right. You know, they're, they're like the Marvel MCU, but on a larger scale. They, they know what their, their game plan is. They still have, they got to get the Haunting of Bly House yeah. out. That's coming pretty soon. So they, they want their events in place. Right. And Cobra Kai is kind of an event for them now. And, and yeah, and they're trying to maximize the exposure of season one and two because right. that got brought over from YouTube TV, which was, I, yeah, was it YouTube Red or YouTube TV? I think it was YouTube TV. But at, at any rate, you know, they brought that over. It was YouTube Red. Was it Red? Yeah. Okay. Damn, um, you should have said, well, actually. They brought that over, and they already knew from YouTube's data that people were binging it, like, in a single sitting. Sure. In most cases. I did it in two days. Yeah. Each season is not that long. It's like, it's like a five-hour movie. Right. And even then, if you take out, like, credits and all that other stuff, it's, it's only about four, give or take. So, so yeah, people were going through it rather quickly. So I think, yeah, they're trying to maximize the exposure with season one and two now that they have it before they drop it, which I, I kind of get. But at the same time, I'm like, God damn it, give me season three. I know it's already done and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so what else you do, gentlemen? I watched Good Bad Flicks. Good Bad Flicks. Good Bad. Oh, Good Bad. Oh, that's, a, that's YouTube, right? Yes. They're fun. And this one I watched was Galaxy of Terror. 
Dude, I tried to watch Galaxy of Terror like two months ago. Yeah? I gave up. Mm-hmm. That's a rough watch. It, it, it sounds like it, but the uh, episode on it was actually very cool because the guy was talking about where it came from as a ripoff of Alien, how Alien got held up in, in terms of uh, lawsuits and everything you know, over money for the making of Alien sequel and so Corman was like jumping on the bandwagon to make Galaxy of Terror and brought in this unknown weird dude named James Cameron <laughs> yes that's right and this guy actually did it, it was funny because he didn't he didn't really review the movie as much as he did a historical overview in its place in the alien aliens universe Okay, and he talks all about Cameron and everybody involved and uh, making of that, and that leading to Piranha Two, and the oh God Piranha Two, the alien lawsuit um, continuing on, where Cameron then gets Terminator, and then after Terminator success, the alien lawsuit resolves, and they're ready to do the sequel, and they're like, hey, there's this hot new. F- you know, new hotness, James Cameron, and they bring him in. And the guy is like, if Par- if Fox had not done the creative accounting and said they lost money on Alien and therefore were denying profit payments to a whole variety of people, including Production Which House. still goes on today. Yeah, yep. Brandywine. And that thereby, because they were ready to do an Alien sequel instantly, but then Fox was like, well, it didn't actually make any money. And there were lawsuits and everything. They might have gotten Alien, the sequel, a lot earlier. And Cameron wouldn't have been involved with it because he wouldn't have hit his stride and been where he'd been. But he actually will do an overview showing what Cameron learned from doing Xenogenesis, which is his first short, and Galaxy of Terror and applying it uh, to aliens, which was really, really fascinating. Because at some points, he actually does side-by-sides. Plus, also, Galaxy of Terror, Jesus Christ. I, it, it's funny, I haven't watched it. Okay. But you're sitting there saying you couldn't get through it. I got through about half of it. And it's got... Oh, yes. It's got a whole bunch, a whole mess of actors. It does. And its technical staff is a who's who of 80s blockbusters to come. So, it's just, it's really crazy. It's really, really crazy. It's definitely a good-bad flick. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes down to it. Well, not it, so good that you could finish it. Right. It's, it's, it was did not... Did you get maybe, maybe it was just more that I wasn't in the headspace at the time. You, did, you get, did you get to the maggot rape scene? I believe I did. Maybe it was oh, somewhere after that that I okay. kind of... Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it's out. really funny because when they first submitted, they got an X rating for the explicitness of the maggot rape scene. So they actually cut choice bits. And the guy said, they cut maggot thrusting and, of course, the climactic moment. And then he shows like a, a hose spraying. <laughs> and we're like, Jesus Christ, that was in the movie? So when they were when they were reevaluating for the, the rating, they cut out those bits. They also went ahead and redid the sound. And they actually made bone crunches and 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 certain body. Yeah, I pretty injuries. much forgot about it until you brought it up. So thank you. Yeah, they they redid all that much 
louder. They, they gave more oomph to it. And because of production guidelines, they had to resubmit for a rating. And they got an X for the intensity of the sound. <laughs> so then they had to draw back the sound to finally get the movie they were. And the guy was like, and unfortunately, in those days, generally when something was cut, it quite often went to the garbage can. So yeah. there, a, a director's cut with the excised maggot thrusting <laughs> is probably never going to happen. <laughs> I'm fine with this. Yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> Talking right. about how they got to that point, Corman walks into the director, I forget who the guy's name is, and he's like, uh, I promised the investors there'd be a rape scene. <laughs> oh my God. Christ. And they had Gross. to they had to the director took the, the female lead and they like talked about it because they're like, Well, what the hell do we do? And then they were like, Well, we could give a give a maggot do the space alien maggot rape scene. And she was like and it apparently took some time, but eventually she got on board with it. Yeah, I imagine that wasn't right away. It was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. yeah that's, and it was Aaron that's Moran. That's what I got into this business for. Erin Moran, who was uh, from Happy Days, mm -hmm. Joni, yes. was in it. She had actually signed on to do nudity. And later on, they renegotiated to do rather a graphic death. So she dies by getting her head crushed. And they, they talked about the effects of getting the prosthetic head and filling it with chili and denty more stew. <laughs> so when it popped, it was... and Do what you got to do, man. Yeah, it was... It, at the, but you, the sets, you could see the McDonald's Oh, my God, they talked on, about on the that. Set. They talked about that. People are raiding McDonald's dumpsters for weeks and bringing all of those back then styrofoam containers. Yeah, like the quarter pounder would come yeah, in. Yeah, you know? yeah. And 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 using those to make the textured sets. Yeah, and you can see it. And you and you can see them reusing the sets over and yeah. over again. They financed, they got themselves some extra money for the movie because they actually leased those sets to some European watch company that was filming a futuristic commercial. Oh. <laughs> Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. People. It's it's Get amazing how done. often that happens in Hollywood, where they'll Dude. they'll they'll lease a set or just you know rent it you know as a way to kind of pad their budget. They'll it, you know it, lease it out for a day. It's so it it was so cool. It was actually a really cool little. This is how we get it done, you know, indie style thing. And then of course at the end, Corman when he was part of uh, he did an interview, some salute to James Cameron or something, and they they cut the part or showed the part rather where he said when uh it was like after avatars i forget where it was in uh, cameron's career he's like congratulating him and cameron said i'm just doing everything i learned working for you i just got a hell of a lot more money to do it with <laughs> that's, that's true that's that's the corman way that's, yeah absolutely yeah and um, it's funny too because yeah i mean they're they're freaking oscar winners that started out under, oh sure, Corbin, oh yeah. That that uh, especially technical, that have mm. just really really gone on to something else, and it's just it's pretty actually pretty amazing. Jack Nicholson famously started in the original Little Shop of Horrors, right, right. right. So yeah, there's 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 a lot of people that owe Corman things. Yeah, yeah, that whole that and whole, apparently a rape scene when they invest. That whole gorilla filmmaking <laughs> and that really it was a gorilla. Know, <laughs> Maximum, you know, maximum delivery on minimum budget. I can is, guarantee, uh, guarantee that there is a Corman Gorilla film out there somewhere. There you go. There's got to be. 
talking to a woman and a guy in a gorilla suit. Yep. Okay, I, I, I kind of promised the investors. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I promised the investors a rape scene. That's a, that's a gross sentence. That yeah. is that's, yeah. just... Uh, but, but it's but, also... But late 70s, early 80s yep. horror and, and yeah. dirty sci-fi. Yeah. It was everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Oh, dude. Uh, well, okay. Ah, fuck it out. So much so that you when you looked in like the you get that HBO guide, uh, yeah, and the '80s that they they ship it to you every month, and this is what's on HBO this month and what time, right? Uh, one of the ratings they would give you is R if it included a rape scene. Yeah, yeah, Christ. Yeah. I remember we would look through those looking for those. Okay, this is what we're gonna watch tonight <laughs> when the parents go to bed. We're gonna watch Emmanuel Seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna watch. Dirty Cowboys or whatever the hell. It's crazy, dude. I actually, uh, uh, there is one porn site out there. It's called Cutscenes, and it's a lot of nasty stuff. Great, um, I won't go there. Yeah, but but the one. Why are we the, talking about? I, it? I, well, I'm not, I'm not sure where you're going with this. Because case. because. <laughs> The bulk of it is not actually hardcore porn. The bulk of it is actually late 60s, 70s, and early 80s exploitation movies with copious orgy scenes, uh, 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 lots of nudity, uh, rape scenes, and so on and so forth. Just And looking at it, the sheer number of professionally... Uh, made movies that are not they're not porn movies they're movies that had these scenes in them it, it's it's actually mind-blowing it it, it 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 was ridiculously huge i just yeah. i you don't even realize because back then especially so much of it was well we make it we release it and then it's gone nobody knows and, and then cable of, yeah. tv came along you know a few years later and totally right. fucked that up right well, and it's interesting, too, how much of that was studio-produced. Yeah. And even when it wasn't under the quote-unquote studio banner, it was studio-produced through one of their right. subsidies so right. that it wouldn't come back on them if there was any kind of backlash for the yeah. content. Now, there, there's tons of, like... I mean, you, you, I mean, some of the scenes they have in this site are, like, from uh, Barbarian Queen, which is a sword and sorcery schlock movie where poor Lana Clarkson, I think... I think in Barbarian Queen 1 or 2, one of those movies, there's like the five times she gets sexually assaulted. Jeez. It's, it's just, just... the point of the movie. Yeah, Jeff. exactly. It should be sexual Still. assault queen. But it it was sort of like... Um, that was one of the... the uh, oh, I forget who the... Not De Laurentiis, but it was one of those level of uh, non-Hollywood filmmakers... Doing a, like Canon films or like one of those Canon Sabin like the moderate budget yeah production companies it was one yeah. of those yeah and it it it's just it was all woi it was all over Oy, the place he's right yeah so but um just 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 one scene in in Galaxy of Terror so <laughs> and it's a maggot <laughs> and it's a maggot see it's okay yeah there you go gross that's funny you were, you were talking about the the twentieth century lawsuit for. Uh, Alien yeah. there, and that made, that made me remember uh, something I've been uh, watching on YouTube the last couple of weeks is this uh, um, 
oh God, I forget the guy's name, but um, he does these um, series of, you know, why your favorite artist is broke or, you know, why your, you know, favorite musician is broke, et cetera. And it kind of delves <laughs> deep into... That's all he does? Or that's mainly what he does? That's one, one of the... I don't know if that's all he does on his channel, but that's one of the <laughs> things I've been watching because it is, it is quite fascinating because... Um, I know I've I've talked about it on the the show before that the Hollywood Economist is a great read and they have a version 2.0 that's out now which I want to get a hold of because I want to see what additional material they've added but it's it's fascinating how the media companies have used this creative accounting to you know essentially keep the people that are working for them broke right um, but and you know because like in in one of the videos this guy's talking about. Um, this up and coming rap artist and and she's like fairly upfront in one of these interviews about how you know people don't realize like the advance that they give you for your recording is used to pay for everything that you need which is includes using their studio so you're paying that company back money for their studio time and how like anybody walking into the the production booth while you're you know recording or creating suddenly now has to be given a credit because they were essentially there present there during the creative process. So it just like, it's like suddenly all these people have their hands out. What she's talking about is a record company, but um, how the record company charges you for everything, Yeah, you know, bottles of water, food that laid, is laid out for the room, whether it's used or not, just like all these a, things that they add on. It's a that, horrible scam that you have to pay them for. So, a lot of these artists never actually make an income. In fact, she was she was mentioning something like she's been billed for like 150 grand and she has zero money. Like she said I never used the money that they gave me in the advance. It sat in my bank account until I had to start paying for these things and then I still had it was something like a $300,000 advance. And she said I used I had to pay for all of this. I had to pay for my staff. I had to pay for everything. And then they give me a bill up on top of this and I just like, I have no way of paying it. And it's, it's just really fascinating. This kind of creative accounting that yeah. these, these companies have well, it, come it, up with. Very over shifty. There. I and, mean, the, and then the outright yeah. theft we had at Star Trek, the experience when right. we first opened, there was a woman named Mache who actually was, um, I don't know if I'd call her a pop star, but she was a pop singer in Europe and had a number of albums out and everything. And doesn't make any money off of them because she got yeah. totally fucked yep. on her record contract. And here she is, 1998, working Star Trek The Experience after being a, um, a pop singer in Europe because she doesn't get a dime from it. Yeah. Yep. Now, was she one that also ran into that whole, they signed her to a contract based on what she'd already done, but then they kept trying to turn her into... I don't else, know the details. I don't okay. know the details because... Because that's another fascinating thing. It's like how the studio will see the success of an artist, sign them to a contract because of that success and tell them, we need you to keep doing what you're doing because we want to make money off of it. Then say, well, can you try to do a little more pop? You know, right, make, it, sure. make, make it a little bit more marketable. Do this, do that. And then, you know, and then essentially we're like, well, it's not working out. We're going to terminate your contract. And then... That's when they try to bill you for all the yeah. the stuff that... <laughs> well, there's also the, the... Yeah. I mean, it's like when you hear about Kurt Cobain yeah. being pissed off. 
and like and like being pissed off about Nevermind. Yeah. Which, you know, is a popular album and everybody loves, Huge but then hit. if you you have to really get into the nuts and bolts of music to find out how Nevermind was was quote unquote popped. It was quote unquote kind of fashioned for a wider audience, which is kind of weird to think about. And right. it's like literal nuts and bolts about the music itself, not just not just like appearances and and how you dress and stuff like that, but the actual music making. Right. Dave Grohl has a hilarious and really cool little quick video on YouTube, how to write a pop song. Yeah. And he sits there with Seen the guy it. and and he does it and he basically he lays out you know, musically, like the, yeah, like the how basic you make three, the song. Was it the three chord progression? Yeah, that's the like the you know right, and then it's you know that standardized, and then the standardized drum beat. Get that, your yeah. and and you, the lyric that is the core to the melody. You do your melody, then you do your refrain. You know, and in between that is when you do the the chord sets and everything like that. And and didn't he like write a pop song like yeah, right the there? The guy in wore like five a shirt minutes. called yeah. "Keep On Trucking." So yeah. he wrote he wrote a pop song, "Keep On Trucking." You gotta keep on trucking, you know. And he just he wrote it right then and there, talking to him about it's, it. It's been a while since I've seen the video, so I was trying to go off. Well, it's very Grohl is so good. Grohl is is wonderful because he just sits there and talks well he's, flat out he's one of this the few artists that is like really 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 educated not only on music history you know just the songs but the actual <laughs> yeah, production the history in many ways yeah. yeah but i mean like he knows a lot about the you know the history of a st- certain studio mm-hmm. producers um how an album was made etc i mean he's he's done deep dives into a lot speaking of speaking of deep dives I want to get into the with the music guys here. So, so Lars Ulrich is an awful drummer. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, that's been popping up on YouTube now for the past month or so. I don't know if I just k- kicked into it or if it just be started becoming a trendy algorithm or something like that but apparently there's a whole bunch of music people out there who really don't like Lars Ulrich well, as, well well here you know what I never heard that until the whole Napster thing happened and then I started hearing that so I, was, I got a feeling it still stems back to that I was wondering I was wondering it might be that I mean he's mind you there are better drummers yes, yes. but he's a good drummer he's a competent drummer he's, he's a good not drummer. He's he doesn't really do anything outrageously different. I guess is is possibly why a lot of that stuff's coming up. Mm. He doesn't really do anything groundbreaking. Has have have people come along and done Lars better than Lars? Yes, yes. of course they have. But he's also one of the foundations of thrash metal. So uh, it's yeah. Okay, I was kind of curious. Oh, so I was credit curious where what, credits goddamn too. Where your reaction? And I know that that he was like one of the forefront of that whole the whole music money thing and as soon as money comes into play uh, all sorts of stories well, yeah. and things will start poking out and gain traction well, you're talking about artists that are already ridiculously underpaid even super popular artists like you know metallica was at the height of their mm-hmm. their popularity and they did just fine and they bought into the whole notion of what Napster was and what that it was taking money directly from the artists as opposed to the realization that it was taking money from the studios yeah. and the studios were using it as an excuse 
to not pay the artists. Well, yeah. Not everybody has bad contracts. Yeah. And as bands get more popular and have yes. more clout, they are able, they usually fire their first lawyer and yeah. then get a better contract lawyer afterwards. That's so also, yeah. I am sure that Metallica was making fine money off of their uh, their residuals from their, from their pop song. But uh, uh, what I was going to say is, uh, and then that's frequently why you'll see a lot of artists develop their own music company. Sure. Because then they can say, okay, well, yes, you can be our releasing agent, but that's it. Right. So they don't want to be charged for a cracker that somebody ate on a tour bus. And isn't the reason why the real mega big artists do so many concerts is because that's where their money yes. is. Live, live, live um, yes. music is where most most musicians, especially on the lower end, make their money. And that used to be that the the studio or the you know the record companies would let them. I was like, okay, well, we're making all our money off of the music and airplay and stuff, so they didn't care about tours. But a frightening trend is within about the last 15, 20 years yeah. is the studios have now started getting involved in the touring process. So now the studios are trying to recoup costs. Well, they call it recoup costs, but essentially yeah. take money from the artists while they're on tour. So yeah. now they get like a percentage of T-shirt, t-shirt sales. Was, that was for a long time how a lot of the artists made their money is that the shirts that are sold at the concerts, all of that money went directly to the band. Now uh, something like twenty five percent of that goes back to the, the you know the music company. Uh, I mean it's it's ridiculous. That that was right. another one of the videos. It's in, it's in another one of those that this guy did. You know why your favorite artists are broke, where they talk about as revenue streams started to dry up because of digital and digital distribution and so forth. The traditional streams dried up, so they started looking at different ways to take the money from the artists. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really disgusting, honestly, and at the end of the day, but, yeah. you know. So anyway, Galaxy of Terror. Yeah. <laughs> Good band flicks. <laughs> what? Capitalism preys on, on the average person? Man. Yeah, really. Well, let's see. What did I do this week? Uh, one, I played the Avengers game. Okay. Uh, and a lot of fun. The Especially the the story that's within the game, the, mm-hmm. the single player... Basically, it's a 10 to 12 hour tutorial okay. on the live service aspect of the game. Mm. But the story is so much fun, engaged, very well acted. I enjoyed that beginning to end. Okay. And it also features one of my favorite villains in the Marvel Universe. So that that was a fun surprise. Now that that's over... I am now playing the live service aspect, and it the enjoyment is starting to wane. Mm-hmm. I, I'm it's it's now gone to that uh, you're going to do the same thing over and over again, and without a whole lot of <sighs> with no reason to do it but to increase your numbers. Yeah, gotta love the churn. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a grind. Uh, now the gameplay aspect of it, the the fighting aspect, is entertaining, and every single hero has their own subtleties of gameplay to make them different. So there is some more longevity in that if you want to play multiple characters that they play that much differently. Uh, the game is meant for four players to play online together. Uh, it's not If you're playing solo, it fills it with AI, uh, the other three Avengers that are randomly chosen to go on the quest with you. Uh, but, of course, the AI is stupid, 
Uh, so if there's <laughs> there is a task to be done, you have to do all the task aspects of it, uh, uh, as, including hitting all four buttons that everyone's supposed to hit and work together to do. You just got to do that on your own. And as you play it, you see the same things being reused over and over as far as, oh, yeah, I remember that puzzle. I did that puzzle like two hours ago. It's, right. it's just put in a different place and randomized in this new quest now. And that's what it is, a bunch of randomized quests. Is it uh, is it worthwhile? Uh, yes. Uh, do I think it might be more worthwhile over time? Uh, I do. I, I Being a live service and the whole aspect of live service is that they continue to work on the game and add things to it until it's not making money for them anymore. And yeah. as I'm sure this game is selling well. It's it's obviously very well populated with people playing it. Uh, so depending what they do to add on to this game later on, that live service aspect may be worthwhile. Um, but right now it's it's getting old fast. But that's because there's not a lot I'm doing different than what I was doing with a story that was engaging me that was that's over now. Right. And now it's for you're forever fighting this enemy that will never be defeated. So it's it, it's pointless. But like I said, they have room to grow. I hope they do. I'll probably be sending it back to GameFly pretty soon. Uh but I will say fighting as Ms. Marvel is fun. Fighting as Captain America is fun. Everybody in that game that you you play has their own aspect that I really enjoy playing them. That's good. So I have a feeling that that DC game that we were talking about that looks like a live service game yeah. is going to be almost exactly like this. It's, Probably right. So I, I'm expecting that from it. Uh, but for a live service game, this is the one I've enjoyed the most. For what that's worth. And as a single-player experience, again, for... I mean, when you get a single-player game like uh, God of War or something, you you play through the story and you're kind of done with it. So that single-player aspect is here, too. So that for that aspect alone, I think it's worth it. It has a great final boss battle, a great ending, and a fantastic story arc. So I, I got to give Avengers, even though it's a live-service game, a thumbs up. All right. Uh, but again, I've, I've played it for a week and I'm kind of done with it. So keep that in mind too. So subscribe to Gamefly. I, I <laughs> highly recommend that to anybody. He's saved frankly. so much money with Gamefly. Yep. I mean, I can't count the number of times when we lived together that he would get a game, play five or 10 minutes and like, nope. And right back into the mail. Yep. I mean, it was just like, yeah, that's, that's 50 bucks right there. You just saved. B simulator. It sounds like it's a good time. It's not. It's really not. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, also got back to Minecraft this week. That, that was fun to come back to finally. Uh, posted a video. Already filmed stuff for the next video. So oh, I'll be good. working on that very, very soon. Uh, I, I wondered what you were going to do with all that rotten flesh. Dude. Or I, the, all, the, all the butts rotten flesh. I, I found a, th a way. I, I, I found a thing, and it seems to be wait, wait, working. Wait. Are you saying that uh, 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 life... Uh, uh, no, it's, it's rotten flesh. It's death <laughs> finds a way, Jeff. Death finds a way. Mortification <laughs> finds a way. <laughs> Somewhere Biggs is screaming his head off. He's like, that's my bit. <laughs> uh, but we did have elections this week. Votes are counted. 
and I was elected to one of the high offices. Oh shit. So I'm just going to let the video speak to that. Oh, my. Uh, I got to catch up. I, I, I Things will, are happening. I will say that Vlarg and Mad Martrin are not happy. And but, but, but to be honest, are they ever really happy? That, well, I don't give them a reason to be. <laughs> Uh, I, I oh, will wow. say I'm being accused of things right now that uh, I don't deserve to be accused of. And there's many things I do deserve to be accused of. <laughs> Politically, I don't know how this is all going to play out because, yeah, it's wow. things have gotten crazy on a Hobbiton. And I've got much more plans with uh, uh, my little uh, camping shed beside Barry's base. So... <laughs> so so things things are happening so those have been following my minecraft uh, and barry's minecraft adventures on youtube uh and and barry wanted me to throw out there that there's still room for more we've we've made sure that there is plenty of room so come on in it, it's it's lots of fun and it's everyone's kind of just having a good time and playing their part in this little virtual environment doesn't matter if you're good if you're bad at minecraft uh there there are certain rules we ask you to follow but they're really basic stuff it's you know don't destroy other people's things and and uh don't kill people outright and build away from the center of town other than that have at it but you can destroy your own stuff right you can destroy your own stuff of okay. course and and, so like and and barry and i kind of have an, a, a bit of an agreement on as far as like the stuff that we can prank each other with and things that we respect and things we don't. Because I was sitting there watching your video thinking, and it's like, now nah, he just needs to take a whole bunch of dynamite, just blow this house up and start from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and frank, <laughs> frankly, with that house, I wouldn't mind if you did it. That's uh, that, that's, that house is not meant there to be there to stay. But uh, when, like, I, I know a, Somebody put the thing out there when I put that room in Barry's base and like, uh, I thought you weren't supposed to do things, other things. So it's like, well, I built it in an area of Barry's base that I knew was very completely unused and would never be used. Yeah. And so I, I put a lot of thought into respecting what he's building and what he isn't. Uh, but on the other side of it, I needed it to be very annoying as well. So it's <laughs> So it worked on both levels. It was annoying because it was bright and shiny and... Barry wants dark and grim, <laughs> which he did turn it into he dark and grim. He did, and I and I went back to that room. And that room is frightening. That room is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. That heartbeat sound is god awful. <laughs> god, and in fact, I took the bed from that room to put in that cabin, just uh. because I can't sleep in that room. No one can sleep in that room. Pinhead can't sleep in that room. Uh, so yeah, there's lots of fun things happening on the Minecraft server. And if you want to join us, uh, there there's places in uh, the Shock Monkeys lair you can go, and uh, and you can always hit up Barry with a direct message, and he'll get you the information you need to join us. So please do. All right. And uh, what else did I do this week? Oh yeah, I finished all of season one of Doctor Who. When I say season one, the the Eccleston years. Okay. Uh, I kind of discount everything before it. Because Doctor Who was a different creature before all this. Well, yeah, I and mean, it, it sat idle for more than a decade at that point. Right, what, 16, 16 years, I think, at that yeah. point. That's more than a decade. Yeah, so it's it's it needed a refreshing, and that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, now, I've seen these before, but it's been years, so I'm, I'm kind of wanting to see the new Doctor Who stuff, but feel I need to catch up with everything to do it. Uh, thankfully, they're British season, so they're only about 12 episodes a season. Right. So they're, they're a doable. A series. A series. Thank you. But, I mean, 
But I, where the but, hell did they get that from? It's, it's the British are do their own thing, and they're very cool at it. Huh. I'll, I'll let them be. Uh, but again, it's it's really weird tone wise. There's there's moments of oh wow this is awesome, and there's some moments of cheese oh, cheese Um In fact, I've, I started watching the the first season now on the tenant season. Okay, and that first episode, I'm like. Mm, I, 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 I don't remember this episode. Now I know why. That that's so. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when you're you're taking on the role, beginning between the writing and trying to figure out where your particular version of the Doctor fits into the universe sure, and so forth. It's, it's growing. It take, takes a few episodes. It, it yeah. does, and and this is somebody who's. Uh, had seen the first three doctors of this, right? And Tenet is my favorite one of the ones I've seen, so I know the, what it comes what it comes to, right? Uh, but but yeah, it's and it's it's not so much Tenet; it's it's the writing. It's, yes. it's like wow, this I'm starting to see a formula, and right. I don't like that seeing a formula in shows. Yeah, and that that was tough too because for the writers, a lot of what the first season for Tenet was was initially supposed to be for Eccleston and you know midway through I think it was mid no, or, mid no or three, I, I, I looked into it Eccleston went into the gig only knowing he's only going to be part one season that he only did the one year contract and he made it clear to them that he was only going to be in that for that first season because he didn't want to be typecast that's 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 what he said so, so that that was known going in because I, you know, I'd watched interviews with the writers, thinking saying that they thought he was going to continue on. So I didn't know that he, maybe they he weren't said, privy to that. It's possible they weren't privy. Which it's possible they, maybe yeah. maybe there was there was a point where they were like, well, we're we're trying to talk him into longer. Yeah, I was gonna say, and, and yeah, who knows? The producers might have been like, okay, yeah, we'll sign him for one season, but we'll we'll start the negotiations early and get him into a second yeah. one year contract, and then that didn't happen. Who you know, you don't know. Uh, but you know what? A, a good comparison to that first season of Doctor Who is the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. Whereas you get weird tonal shifts. You got some episodes that are super corny, corny and awful. But you have somebody see the seeds of where this is going to go, right. and it's going to be something magnificent if they take advantage of that. And that first season of Buffy too was only a half season, so they had a limited number of episodes to try to figure out what they were doing. Sure, and Buffy didn't hit really hit its stride until season, middle season two, frankly. Although I know Whedon has said in the past, he's like, I had that whole first season done by the time we were picked up, and then it was like suddenly, you know. We were having to do the whole weekly grind of making a television series where you're <laughs> you're you're in the middle of producing you're you're in the middle of filming one uh, one episode you're writing the next episode and then having to go back and do production on the episode that you just finished so you're like you're essentially working on three episodes at once whereas he said he had little more freedom with it before it got picked up to try to play around with what he was trying to do. And I think he, I don't think he even knew at the time exactly what he wanted to do with the series. He just knew what he had learned from the movie is that I know I don't want to do this. It's crazy how that stuff works out. With Minecraft, with uh, Doctor Who, with this show, and with my painting, and of course my wifely duties, I, uh, I'm pretty busy. All right. You like how he just quietly slips in that brag about wifely duties? <laughs> I, 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 I was just. <laughs> wondering 
whether he was going to say husbandly duties and then he said, nope, he said wifely. Yeah, it's wifely. He didn't correct himself. (laughs) So we'll go with what he said. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) Anything else you do this week, guys? Uh, I'm sure I did. I just, I can't think of anything Struggled with writing, the usual. Okay. Well, speaking of writing, let's uh, let's do an email. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, His little mail. Hey, moist men. How'd you know? Was uh, thinking about movies that could be redone with zombies. Uh, some didn't need a, twe- a name tweak, and some did. I ca- the ones I came up with were, uh, <laughs> we're not even that far in. A few I came up with were uh, Cannibal Run, which I really like. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chasing Amy, again, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sautang Private Ryan, uh, Feast and Furious, and Debbie Digests Dallas. What do you think, uh, Pat? Uh, Pat, I, I think those are gems. Those are that's, that's those pretty are good. Good names. And uh, but I, I wanted to actually answer that original question: movies that could be redone with zombies, not just the titles. Oh, I, 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 I want to like Pride and Prejudice like, and zombies and yeah, because like, there, there were like a whole some bunch of those, some things. Were there supposed to be like a whole series of those movies coming out, and that was the only one that. Got no, produced. No, that was based on the book by Seth Graham Smith. Right. And but there was like a series of those books, right? Uh, that was, they, that they, wasn't he, the only one they did. He did another one based on another Jane Austen book, uh, but uh, not an actual like sequel to my understanding. Right. Uh, he did I didn't mean Abraham gonna, Lincoln Vampire Hunter in between those. Right. I, I didn't mean it was like going to be a sequel to a sequel. I thought he had the plans to do a number of classic oh, I'm, titles. And then add zombies in. And when he did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, then all the other it became people, the new hotness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I got a novel about a zombie outbreak at a Star Trek convention uh, on, under those same ideas. So, although there is a really weird Bizarro book out there, I might recommend called Shatner Quake, uh, which uh, was was a fun journey, and and it's basically a. a multiverse event happens at a Star Trek convention where Shatner is at mm-hmm. and then multiple versions of Shatner come into existence to fight off everything it's it's a bizarro book if you're not familiar with the bizarro uh, style of it's it's a subgenre of horror and science fiction uh, that really like anything goes it's it gets weird for weird sake and so it just gets as the name suggests bizarro uh, but so Shatner quake is a Probably one I'd recommend to I the nerds seem out there. To remember, I don't think I read it, but I seem to remember hearing about it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because if, if zombies broke out at Comic-Con, how would you tell? Uh, I read the book. so oh. <laughs> And you know what? That's, that's, of course, addressed. And it's like, oh, look, that's great cosplay. Oh, yeah, so it's... Oh, wow, this room stinks. <laughs> right? How would you tell? Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's my point. Is like, how would you tell whether people are alive <laughs> or dead? Because especially some of the people not getting any sleep, they're walking around like zombies anyway. It's like, Starbucks, Starbucks. So you want you want actual zombies in this because, you know. The, you know, and the, if you just got clever names, I'm cool with it. Well, Jaws. Jaws and zombies? Sure. <laughs> Jaws. Sure. But we've had a zo- zombie shark movie, so that's. Yeah. They thought of everything. There was a they? zombie shark movie? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was done by Asylum. Oh, okay. Like, that should surprise anyone. Uh, Conan the Barbarian and Zombies. Zombie. How do you do this title? Okay. Zombie NATO. Oh, God. 
Sure. Zombinado. 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 Attack of the Killer Zombinados. Yeah. Just a <laughs> tornadoes full of zombies. A trauma okay. joint. <laughs> definitely. Definitely an asylum joint, if nothing else. Uh, uh, one I was uh, Resurrection Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Ah. Mm-hmm. But at the police scene where he rips the guy's ear off and ends up killing him, that guy becomes a zombie, and that's what they have to start dealing with. There you go. And then the Reservoir Dogs thing, this, they, they, are, they start becoming zombified. So I think zombies could make an interesting addition to Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Resurrection Dogs. Sure. Resurrection dogs. That's actually... Just just imagine... You know, take that to uh, Pulp Zombie. Oh, sure. And uh, you got that scene in the pawn shop. <laughs> take your foot off the zombie. And then like Bruce Willis is like, do I rescue the zombie? from what's going on in that room or do I just escape? I think he just escapes really when it comes down to it. <laughs> at that point. Ooh, I got You're one. saving necrotic flesh. At, this point, <laughs> I, I got at, at that point, the ethics completely change <laughs> and what's happening in that room is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I got one. Okay. Things to do in Denver when you're undead. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's a, a good, nice that's one. A, that's a good title. I like that title. Undead man walking. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how, how you, you extrapolate that particular film into a zombie movie, but if you have an idea, by all means, I'm yeah. just going titles off going the top titles. of my head right titles. now. Guys, guys, guys. Yeah. Night of the Living Undead. <laughs> Why? I like yeah. the beat as you guys try to figure Why? me out. <laughs> uh, another one I thought of: uh, Groundhog Day Z. Okay. So it's Groundhog Day, except that it, it's during a zombie outbreak. So, so he keeps yeah. reliving the same day. Yes, with it, has, it has to solve the, why the zombie outbreak happened over the course of resets. Nice, Jesus Christ, super zombie. Already been done. Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, it's Jesus Christ, a vampire killer. That was yeah. That's a different. See, movie. so maybe that's totally fucking different. Well, Jesus was a zombie, so really, yeah, it's patient zero. Yeah. Yeah, I, I it, the story writes itself. Oh, I see, I see. Jesus Christ, you guys! All right, five kids in detention on a Saturday. The t- detention's done. They've gotten together. They've gotten to know each other aside from the labels they've given each other. But the teacher comes in to relieve them. The teacher's a zombie. Then they have to fight their way out of Shermer High School. We're talking the Dead Fist Club. Oh, see, I was going to go the opposite direction. He's like, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. And then the kids go, and he's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And all that montage stuff when uh, they're running around the school. And they took the screw out of the door so he can't lock it. Yeah. Yeah. And the the zombie kids are just running around the the school trying to find somebody, and they can't find anybody. Right, to the score of Wang Chung. Absolutely. I got got the perfect one. Oh, that's a perfect one. Don't tell mom the babysitter's undead. But okay. not not is it just, yeah. it's not just a clever title. The 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 babysitter is a fucking zombie, and the kids well, are having to deal with. I should hope so. All yeah, the, yeah. I can I can dig on that. There you go. See, I, I I didn't before. I was just going with a creative twist on the title. Now I'm like, oh, see, there's, actually, a, there's a way to work it yeah. out. There's a way to work it out. <laughs> this is how you brainstorm. Yeah. This is how you make things happen. Close encounters <laughs> of the Zed kind. Ooh. When he gets into there and when you wish upon a star, but all the aliens look the same, but they are undead. <laughs> and they pour out of that mothership. 
Yeah. That's great. That's the new extended cut. Mm-hmm. Zedmen, <laughs> right? A professor Xavier's School for Gifted Zombies. And mm-hmm. they're just walking around the schoolyard. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure where you go with that story-wise, you know, but yes, I like, like the name. Like when Cyclops' nose rots off and his glasses fall out, his eye beams. Yeah, well, I guess they've done the Marvel zombie universe, so it works. Yeah. That sold a lot. There you go. Still, yeah, there still you sells. Go. There you go. Yeah, but I mean, they kind of already did the alien zombies thing. Only alien. Oh yeah, so we should never do it again. This is Hollywood. Life Force was, you know, supposed to be alien vampires, but they were kind of zombie-like. So you'd have to get creative with how you would. No, no. I think you just add on to the end. It's the sequel. Okay. He steps into there. They walk out, but they keep walking. Yeah. And I think I think instead of replacing something with you just zombify it. So like killer clown zombies from outer space. I don't know how different they'd be, but I don't know. Hey, I'm just throwing out ideas here. <laughs> Nobody said it, make it different. Sure, Jurassic Park, but every person that gets attacked by the dinosaurs becomes a zombie. Okay, and that's then, different because we've had dinosaur zombies. So you don't you don't just have to worry about the dinosaurs you have to worry about the zombies on the island right. too. it's like pick your poison wow mm. yeah and then they and then <laughs> and then countries start dropping off their uh, criminal element there oh okay and eventually that island becomes australia because <laughs> there's not enough things in australia that are designed to kill you <laughs> well that that's its origin there you go that's how it all happened that, that i've seen the videos that'll be the snakes the mud the, crab the twist when the when the the spiders and snakes and alligators and sharks are all running from the zombies they're like that's, what the that's fuck? when you don't have to be afraid <laughs> it's like when all the big beasties are running towards you and away from something that's yeah. when you got to be scared this right? isn't fiction this is a biography there you go <laughs> Well, thank you, Pat, for writing in. And thank you, Pat. It's, it's an enjoyable question, so thank you. Um, but uh, let's do... There's some news. Well, let's do some news you don't give a shit about. I bet I do. Mm, I don't think you will. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't think you People will. People are throwing gauntlets left and right. Uh, Hulu is no longer pursuing an Eyes of the Dragon TV adaptation from... We just talked about Seth Graham Smith. Quote, there was a regime change at Hulu at the worst possible moment, uh, Graham Smith said. When regime changes happen, the incoming people, as great as they are, take a look around and don't necessarily want to inherit the projects of the people that they just got replaced. In our case, I think we had a lot of goodwill at Hulu because people were really excited about the script and they had success with Castle Rock. And this was the perfect building off of that, unquote. The author went on to say that while Hulu liked the pilot script, the show would have cost upwards of $100 million a season, unquote. Because of the deal, the streaming service had to either order an entire season or pass. Uh, published in 1984, The Eyes of the Dragon is Stephen King's contribution to the fantasy genre mm. and features Randall Flagg, the antagonist of The Stand. Mm. I was... Uh, that was one of the things I was excited to see come to Hulu when that got announced. Yeah. So, so to see that one get scrapped is, I mean, it will probably land somewhere else. Maybe yeah. not in my lifetime, but it, it's it's something I think that will eventually get adapted somewhere. It's hard to say with those things anymore because, I mean, projects get shelved and then discovered a couple of years later. Uh, one of the things I learned with uh, Bill and Ted 3 is that the first film 
had been produced and then basically put into storage for a year and then got released. So when uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter were contacted and said, you got to go on press junkets now, they're like, what? They're actually putting that out now? Because they had written it off. It's like it's a project that was done and was never going to be released. So I, I know movies like that. I've been to movies like that. Yeah. Shoot, I've been to, I, I, I've getting back in the day. They used to have people like at the mall that would have you do test screenings of like upcoming TV shows, and you would take a, a videotape home and watch it, and then have to fill out surveys on that. Uh, my friend and I ended up having to do that one time, and uh, yeah, I did you know, that like, too. But they made Bionic Woman the TV reboot anyway. What was ironic about this particular one is that this happened twice. We got the same, essentially show a year separated oh so it was like watched it and i'm like this seems really familiar and then watch it again and you're like yeah this is that thing that we reviewed like and and we even wrote that in there it's like previously reviewed one year ago so it was clearly like a tv pilot that they were trying you know somebody felt like was important enough to try to keep putting out there but you know, sure. it wasn't someone whose job probably depended it, on it. Wasn't getting picked. It wasn't very funny. It was supposed to be a comedy. So that's <laughs> well, all I remember. There's your problem. I know, right? I was like, mm, that's that's what I remember. But you know, I was <laughs> I was only like thirteen or fourteen at the time. I think so. Oh wow, um, the formative years. Yeah. Show zombies. Oh, where all the strippers and dancers are zombies. I thought that's already been done, isn't it? This is Hollywood. Does well, I know matter? they've done stripper no. zombies. Robert England was it. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, zombie strippers. That's yeah. what it was called. Okay, okay. Right. Did they do Gettysburg? I think that's what we interviewed Robert England for was for zombie strippers. I think that was why the, we the, got the audio was, interview. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So zombies and generals, and it's a neo Confederate propaganda bullshit about the South in the Civil War, and the the <laughs> Southerners are all zombies. Okay. Uh, dead birds. They did the zombie. Civil War. That, okay. So that. Zombie birds will work on Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I, I yeah. guess. There you go. Duboids. Right? Vertigo, right? And no, this no. guy, all the zombies oh, are on the shit. lower this floors is, of the building. This is happening. And they're climbing up floor by floor, and this guy who hates heights has to get away from them by going higher and higher. And then you make the uh, high anxiety and zombies. Right. The, the comedy. Exactly. Well, obviously, Jeff, from what you just said, <laughs> it works so well to just go from horror to comedy and back again. Yep. Just just do some tonal shifts. Uh, I love high, high anxiety. <laughs> that's that's yeah, it's so funny. It's like, cause I, that's, that's one where, you know, I love Hitchcock, but then seeing Mel Brooks spoof Hitchcock, it was just one of those things that made me love both movies even more. Oh. They're, they're both... God, high anxiety is... if. It's it's a little out of date now, but if you look at it as a as a movie from that period, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Cuz the same thing applies with the Hitchcock film, I mean, you know. It's a 50s, 60s movie. Mm, that, but anyway. I'm getting off track. Getting off track. Oh, we were already there, Jeff. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Rear window. The guy who sees the murder is the zombie. And didn't care? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they say don't go through life with regrets. Uh, I now have a few. <laughs> you don't know where they go. Dude, you don't give a shit about real news. I don't know. So we're going to throw it in the purgatorio. Uh-oh. Rut-row. Hey, you a guy. 
AMC announced that The Walking Dead will come to an end after season 11. That's crying shame. Uh, <laughs> that sounded <laughs> facetious. Uh, however... That conclusion will then spin off into a brand new project centering on two franchise mainstays, Daryl Dixon, played by Norman Reedus, and Carol uh, Pel- I can't remember how to spell her name. Yeah, it's been a while. Pelletier? I don't know. Uh, played by Melissa McBride. The spinoff, which is currently without a title and slated to premiere in 2023, uh, was created by former Walking Dead showrunner Angela Kang and current sh- chief content officer at AMC's Walking Dead IP, Scott Gimple. Kang was also on board as showrunner for this new show. Uh, Gimple is also developing Tales of the Walking Dead, an anthology of standalone episodes featuring established characters from th- that universe. Quote, we have a lot of thrilling story left to tell on The Walking Dead, and then this end will be a beginning of more Walking Dead. Brand new stories and characters, familiar faces and places, new voices and new mythologies. This will be a grand finale that will lead to a new premiere. Evolution is upon us. The Walking Dead lives, unquote. Uh, due to the pandemic, production on season 11 was delayed. It will now air over the course of two years, starting in late 2021, across 24 episodes. The delayed se- season 10 finale episode is slated to arrive on October 4th. A new limited spin-off series, The Walking Dead World Beyond, will premiere immediately after that finale. AMC hopes to bring the undead property to the big screen in a planned trilogy of movies that follow Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes, who left the show in season nine? So I thought those Walking... movies have been canceled, right? No, those movies... that was one of the things I, I remember reading recently is that they canceled those plans with the Rick Grimes movies. Uh, I have not run into that in any of my news. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but go ahead and have a deep dive. Uh, in the meantime, Walking Dead is ending. The old boss, same as the new boss. I just, I, yeah, I mean. When I stopped paying attention to it, I've talked to a few people that kept up with it. And they're like, yeah, it's it's like you kind of keep watching it to see how it ends. But at the same time, they said the quality has gone way down. And hmm. it's just, it's. I think it's just worn itself out, the original storyline. Okay. As far as like the, the, the original series. I kind of have mixed feelings about the spinoff. Because, I mean, it's like, it's cool for those two actors because they have done a superb job with those characters. Yes, they, they two, two of a, a big reason to watch. Yeah, and you never want to fault somebody for continuing to do a job that they enjoy. And, you know, you know, especially for an actor, if you get to continue playing a role and still make money at it, you know, more power to them. 11 seasons plus. Yeah. Same time, I'm like... How many yeah, jobs how... have you worked 11 years? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one so far. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, um, I just kind of lost interest with that whole universe because I tried watch, watching Fear the Walking Dead, and that was just kind of, to me, it was just kind of eh. Okay. I didn't, I never, it never really grabbed me like the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead, and and yeah, they have all these other spinoffs now. So I mean, if that's your thing and you're into it and you're enjoying it, cool. If not, well, you know. That's why it's in purgatorio. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have had Walking Dead fatigue. We've we've all hit that. Uh, but Walking Dead is something I plan on revisiting. Yeah. Because uh, it is something I think my wife would enjoy. So when when she's ready to watch it, so am I. Uh, although I got to get her prepared for that Negan episode. Yeah, that's that was... I, I want to say Oof. it was two episodes after that 
the, after the premiere with Negan that I was just like, I just, there's nothing left anymore. It's just like, there's no hope. There's no, there's just no nothing anymore. Just, everybody's just existing. And even then they're barely existing. So it's just like, yeah, the name says it all. They are, they are the walking dead and it's, you know, it wasn't to me, I should say it wasn't enjoyable anymore. And I'm, and I'm, and on one side, I'm really kind of glad at that because that the whole idea with the comic book was okay, all the zombie movies we've gotten, what happened next? And that's just what it is. Let's right. do an ongoing story of what happens next. And in a world where there is diminishing hope, but at the same time, it's gone on to 11 seasons and we'll continue with two beloved characters. Right. So it's not like it's hopeless. Sure. As, as, as bleak as that show can get. And that show gets really awfully bleak. bleak. It, it, there's, it is, it is a, of all the horror shows out there, it is the most horror and TV show that I think has ever been. And that yeah. goes for American horror story. Yeah. And frankly, it's probably the most realistic as a, in in the sense of how real live humans would react to that kind of apocalypse and you know sure. how they treat each other. And, and that's and and that's what zombie movies have always been. It's never been an ex, an examination of this zombie infection on the right. world. It's always been an examination of us as human yeah, beings. The zombies are the MacGuffin. And yeah, it's it's a way for us to explore these dark side of humanity and how to fight against that. And that show got really fucking dark. Yes. A lot of times. And I'm like, they're, you know, and then they'd, they'd tease you with a little sprinkle of light and you'd be like, Oh, maybe things aren't going to be, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're good at that. But you, the thing is also you get used to that roller coaster after a while. You yeah. S- you see it. And it's like, okay, it's been nice for a few episodes. So uh, here comes the hammer. Yeah. It's, well, it's that whole, or the bat. It's the whole will. thing with the you know nature of being desensitized to things. They talk about that in you know psychological torture or even you know straight up tortures. Like you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. At a certain point, people get desensitized to it, and suddenly it's it's not painful to them anymore. It's just like all right, here's another. So you know. humans are very adaptable. Yeah, uh, they can adapt to just about any. I mean, just look at us dealing with our president. We adapted in horrible ways. Um, and but that show is exemplary of that that whole idea that yeah, yeah. human hum, no matter what happens humans will endure because they adapt. Yep. The Walking Living, and it's <laughs> a story of this group of zombie survivors of the human recovery as humanity is sweeping <laughs> across the world, wiping out all the zombies, this lone group of zombie survivors are running for the hills, trying to survive in a world that hates them. I was just saying, the, the, they're not the X-Men. They're zombies. <laughs> See, you, you went... The X-Men don't go to the hills. You went in a different direction than I thought you were going to. It was like, he's like, the zombie trying to figure out what its place in the world was, you know? <laughs> well, they are. <laughs> what are the current fashion trends? are? <laughs> and just like, I'm like... It's like that, you know, that whole fish out of water scenario, like the yeah, we could do that country That'll girl, help. country yeah. girl in the city vibe, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> the unsinkable zombie brown. <laughs> oh, <don't>, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> wow. Weekend geek. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> With the energy he had left to muster, <laughs> I was trying to recompose myself. I'm pushing through the pain. <laughs> Don Bluth, the legendary animator behind The Secret of Nim, American Tale, The Land Before Time, and The Dragon's Lair video game, has launched a new business venture named Don Bluth Studios. The company, quote, is going to be establishing new characters, new ideas, and new projects, reads the announcement from Vice President Laval Lee. He added, quote, we will not be keeping projects hidden or away from the public. We will be posting up a storm and showing you all our progress, unquote. One of the first endeavors is Bluth Fables which seeks to put a fresh twist on classic fairy tales, morality tales, and nursery rhymes that Bluth will write, draw, and narrate. Quote, We believe the public is craving another renaissance of hand-drawn animation. Our goal is to make that dream become a reality, the company said in their statement. Continuing, our company will be very transparent, showcasing, updating the public with concept art, pencil tests, model sheets, animatics, and much, much more. I, for one, am always a champion of Don Bluth. Whatever he decides to do, I am all for it. And the fact that he's establishing a new animation company, blessings. Blessings upon his house. Yeah, I was trying to look at it. It was like, I can't remember him doing anything after Titan AE. Um, Because it's not a bad film, but it did really poorly at the box office. Like, you know, I, I think it's developed a bit of a cult following since then, if you will. But I remember seeing it and going, this is not a bad film, but I don't understand why people are trashing it so much. There was no singing. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, you look at the Disney films from that sure. time where they continued into an animation program where there was no singing. They, those films didn't do well either. Right. Like Treasure Planet. Oh, yeah. Right? That one was another. That's from that era. So, But then again, Brother Bear didn't do all that great either, and that uh, had singing. So, you know, it's a... I, th- I think that was a time where there was a, just an animation people animation slump that people just didn't care about animation at that point. It, mm, come, it comes and goes right. in waves. So I hope that he's right that people are ready for new hand-drawn animation. I don't know if he is correct, but I'm glad he's given it a shot. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I wish Bakshi would get back into making uh, rotoscope hand-drawn animated movies. Sure, you only see that style every now and again, and it's, yeah. and it's usually in some really esoteric side independent movie project, mm, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'll be for that. Go go back, she. Mm-hmm. Microsoft revealed its pricing structure for its next generation consoles. It will be two hundred ninety nine dollars for the smaller discless Xbox Series S, and the flag- flagship Xbox Series X console will be four hundred and ninety nine dollars, and both consoles will be available on November tenth. Pre orders for both consoles will open up on September twenty two. In an announcement time to match Microsoft's Xbox reveal, Ubisoft said Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the Norse themed next installment of their action franchise, will release right alongside the new console as a day one game. Microsoft also announced that access to the entire EA Play online service, which costs $4.99 a month as a separate buy-in, will be bundled with the ultimate version of Xbox Game Pass at no additional charge. As to uh, make the digital Series S $200 cheaper, as to why, 
uh, it won't support the Series X's 4K resolution. Yeah, I saw that. It comes with 10 gigabytes of memory as opposed to the Series X's 16 gigabytes of memory and features a 512 gigabyte of internal storage while the Series X gets one terabyte. A quote, the primary difference between the Series X and the Xbox S is in resolution. Uh, though talking to our customers, we found that many of our fans prioritize frame rate over resolution, so we wanted to build a console that didn't require a 4K TV, said hardware chief Liz Harmon. The Series S reportedly will still be able to do all the things in-game that Series X can do, like tapping the qu new quick resume feature that allows players to switch quickly between games. And if the 512 gigabyte storage isn't enough, and with current-gen games already topping near 100 gigabytes per title, likely won't be, uh, the Series S will allow players to plug in additional storage cards. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting reveal on that, because uh, I guess the, the Series S tops out at like 1440p versus the um, Series X tops out at... I thought it was supposed to be able to do 8K, but they only keep touting the 4K capabilities. So that's what, 2160p? So, but yeah, that was that was interesting when I saw that because I, I had to read the article twice because I'm like, okay, so the Series X will be backward compatible with everything, but the Series S is only backward compatible with Xbox One S titles, not anything that was... 4K right. enhanced well, for the X. Well, there's no disc drive on the yeah. S, so you can't play an Xbox One game on it right. with a disc. So that makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of the digital downloadable titles that you could get for the X, the, the 4K enhanced, won't work on the S. That, so you have no, to that, download the digital version that's just for the S. Yeah, that is a strong caveat so, on that yeah. for people who do want that backwards compatibility because the X will be, if I'm, I'm yeah. right compatible all the way through the entire xbox line of series yeah. of games now from, from the original xbox yes. on yeah now the the interesting point they made and is sadly true a lot of gamers don't care about that they you know because not everybody has a 4k tv sure so there a lot of people are playing it on the you know their 1080p tvs and yeah they're they care about the frame rate and you know i'm i'm a bit of a tech head so you have, or at least I have to kind of remind myself at times that not everybody wants the biggest and the best. They, sure. they just want, you know, whatever they can afford and then, you know. But that's always kind of been that yeah. way in consoles? Sure. And no, their original you're not, release? You're not wrong. And, and, and with the advent of the, the digital-only versions of these consoles selling very well versus the one with the disk drive, you know, because I'm, I'm, I catch myself going. I'm like, ugh, I'm never gonna buy a digital only version of console. I want my disc drive, and you know, I want to be able to do all this stuff. But I have to keep reminding myself that's not important to everybody. Sure, especially like parents buying a console for their kid. They're like, Absolutely. well, this one's two ninety nine. This one's four ninety nine. I can buy this one, and I don't have to buy the titles. I can set it up and download them for them, and then let them play it. Sure. So it's, and, and I think this is a smart move from Xbox, no. especially at making this decision at sure. this time to have like, okay, our flagship, yes, it's a $500 console. Right. And you might not be able to afford that right now with everything going on. Yes. So here's a $300 stripped down version that will right. be able to play the new games. Yes. Uh, just won't be on the, the higher, uh, the higher resolution yep. that, that you either 
don't have or don't have yet. And and really, it comes down to a lot of don't have yet's because right. when you and I got the Xbox 360, yes, uh, we kind of got the TV, uh, the high definition TV around that same time, yeah, to kind of take advantage of that, right? And that was the purpose. And I think that's well, that's when we got the Elite because the 360 had already been out, okay, but didn't have a way to push the high the 1080p graphics until. Okay the Xbox 360 Elite came out, and then sure. we got the Elite to be able to take advantage of the... And I haven't upgraded to a 4K set because I was waiting for these new consoles to come yeah. out, and I was going to pretty much do it at the same time. Now, of Me course, yeah. that plan's on the back burner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had kind of the same plans, too, and then I, you know, this whole year is just throwing all those plans out the window. So, and even, even Sony's doing the same thing with the, the PS5. They are going to have a disk drive version and a diskless version okay i haven't seen but, that yet um apparently you know this is rumor territory right here not the fact that they have the two different versions of the hardware but the rumor is that they are now readdressing their pricing structure based on what microsoft has released because oh, i'm sure they are supposedly they've had a higher pricing structure for the disk drive version of the ps5 and now that and they don't want Microsoft. a repeat of PlayStation yeah. Three. Yeah. Now that Microsoft. Yeah, because that was, uh, it was, for what you got with the PS Three, it was reasonably priced, but it was priced out of the range of affordability for most people. Yeah, it was what six hundred, I think, when it came out. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I think it was five ninety nine when yeah. it came out, and that's fifteen years ago, and it, it's a good console. It still works really well. Yeah. But it was difficult to program for for a lot of game developers. They couldn't. It wasn't until almost the end of life of that console that they really started figuring out how to program for it and to take advantage of the cell processors architecture and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, but it still is one of the better uh, Blu-ray players because the way they had it set up that it was infinitely upgradable over software. Some of these consoles are limited by their hardware. They put out cheap processing chips on there, and they fry out. Right. Whereas PS3 had more robust hardware than was necessary to play a Blu-ray, and all they needed to do was upgrade the software here and there. But, but yeah, that was that was quite. I, I remember seeing that at CES. They had a demo version of the console for the PS3, and I remember looking at it as like it's massive, and the price is just really going to turn off a lot of people, especially because if I remember correctly, the the three sixty at that time was what two hundred dollars cheaper. Because didn't it come out at like three ninety nine? And I don't remember if it was that much. That I want to say but it, it was, was definitely cheaper. It was either two ninety nine or three. I swear it was like three ninety nine, and then it dropped like right after launch. Whereas the PS three stayed at like. Five ninety nine for quite a while, sure. and then eventually, because I bought ours when Circuit City put one of the they put it on like sale, and it was like half off. It was like forty. It was like right. I think I did I did the math. It was like forty or forty five percent off. And okay, but they also threw in a second controller and and the the Blu ray remote and everything. And I was like, oh, that's so I just jumped on it. And, sure, but and that yeah. was our Blu ray player ever since. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And Lord knows you didn't play many games on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the one downside. There just wasn't a lot of PS3 games. No, that, I mean, there was God of War. There, yeah. was some, there was some good games. Sure. But they're mostly in-house games when it came yeah. down to it. 
And it's and for the most part, I did seem to find when you would get a third party game that was also available on the Xbox, it was simpler to play it on the Xbox, especially with the updates. Oh yeah, the 360 <laughs> would update on the fly, whereas if there was a major update for the game on the PS3. Don't even bother. It's yeah. like, you know, you'll, you'll play it tomorrow. Go watch some TV. Yeah, you'll play it tomorrow. So <laughs> So that's that's where the yeah. new generation consoles stand as of right now. So is it a good time for me to get a PlayStation 4? Not yet. It's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's coming. <laughs> I don't even I mean, know if I'll if be able to afford if, one. If you can find a used one, some oh, of the, I'm, Jeff, don't give don't talk to no, me about uh, no, used. No, but I'm just saying I I'm finding some PS4s popping up on the secondhand market for rather inexpensive prices. Um, and I think it's just people like saying, well, I'm going to buy the the PS5 soon, so I want to sell that off and put it towards there. So just don't buy it at GameStop because GameStop, yeah. they pay pennies for these consoles and then they charge you only about 100 bucks less than buying the new one. But um, places like uh, Craigslist, Let Go... Sure. Offer up, I mean, uh, caveat emptor. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Jimmy's break and entering. <laughs> but yeah, I'm finding a lot of PS4s on the secondhand market for the, relatively cheap. There's this one guy on Craigslist. His logo has a fence in it. I don't. Oh, I don't understand. Well, I think that that he's uh, in a well secured spot. Okay, because ah. he doesn't he sell fencing. I was right, and I was like, okay, so like right. Epe's then. Well, maybe, foils and he's like no i don't that neither yeah. maybe, maybe he has a gate code i think he has a yeah. gate code for his complex maybe he's just that guy you see in the football stands during the games uh, that defense. holds up the fence and he's just he's just very proud of that you know that fence design that he's done he's and so he wants to show fan. it off that's yeah. uh, okay now i feel silly right uh, answer staring you right in the face there you go so his best friend is d and then his <laughs> his his name on the on the the service is fence yeah Separate, I'm, they make no sense, but together, yes, spot on. They make fence. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this week we lost Dame Diana Rigg, mm. oh, a British yeah. actress known for her roles in the British TV show The Avengers, James Bond, and uh, Game of Thrones. Died at the age of eighty-two. Uh, Rigg played Teresa Tracy Di Vincenzo in 1969's On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, she already had spy experience after playing Emma Peel on The Avengers between 1965 and 1968. Uh, Rigg's acting career began on the stage in 57. She arrived on the screen in 1959 in a TV adaptation of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream and went on to enjoy a presence in entertainment that lasted over six decades. She became a dame in 1994, and at the age of 75, Rig took on the part of Olena Tyrell, the Queen of Thorns, on HBO's Game of Thrones. She was so good in that part, too. And the same year, Rig also made her Doctor Who debut as Mrs. Gillyflower in the Crimson Horror episode. Also very good. So, yeah, a, a fantastic actress. So I was never really... I, I think it was just because of my age at the time, but I just couldn't get into the Avenger... TV series. I never gave it a shot. Um, I just, I, I don't think, I, I think I was just too young to get it. Perhaps. I think it's part of the problem. It's a piece of his time, uh, capitalizing on the spy craze, the Bond craze of right. the time. But she was really good in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Dude, she is the Bond girl of all Bond girls. She, yeah. She's the, she's the only person Bond ever married. Yeah. And, and it was amazing how well she would stand up to that 
kind of overly machismo, you know, presentation of Bond. And, well, well, yeah, to, 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 to an extent. No, you're right. no, to be frank, she has and has had amazing acting chops. Right. And she was hired to elevate George Lazenby, whose acting career was nil because he was just a male model when he was brought on to be Bond. That is true. So she was brought in, one, to be an awesome Bond girl, and two, acting-wise, to elevate her co-star who had crap for chops. So that's, that's a big reason she was put in that role. Yeah, it's true. All the time in the world. The Flash movie is going to reset the DCU. That's what I heard. Ben Affleck, of, we didn't really talk on this much. Uh, ben Affleck is coming back as Batman. Uh, Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman. Yep. And there's going to be a lot more characters included in the story. Flash, uh, the movie The Flash, will see Barry Allen, quote, breaking the bonds of physics to crash into various parallel dimensions where he'll encounter slightly different versions of DC's classic heroes, unquote. Uh, director Andy Muschietti uh, also explained things a little further regarding this new DC multiverse, how it's going to work, saying, quote, this movie is a bit of a hinge in the sense that it presents a story that implies a unified universe where all the cinematic iterations that we've seen before are valid. And television. And television. It's inclusive in the sense that it's saying that all you've ever seen exists and everything you will ever see exists in the same unified universe. Bushietti goes on to say, it restarts everything and doesn't forget anything, which I think is a fantastic quote in this. Uh, The director also previously explained in his previous DC fandom panel that the film will be a time travel story, saying, quote, his mother was murdered, his father was trained and incarcerated and in all his journey from then was a man trying to make things right the script really captures his lo- loquacity which i believe is just his fast talking his okay. talkativeness uh, his personality he's something who has the power of changing events in the past but in doing so can deteriorate the very fabric of space time continuing quote uh, screenwriter Christina Hodson went on to say the cinematic universe multiverse is going to be born out of this movie. It's born out of Barry's story. And I think this is frankly the best way to yeah. deal with the DCU as it stands. Well, I mean, if you're going to do the Flashpoint story anyway, why not? Right. And uh, and yeah, and that was in Crisis on Infinite Earths. That was one of my things that I really enjoyed was that that crossover cameo from uh, Ezra Miller because didn't hear anything about it. Like, that was one of those things they, they kept really under wraps because I'm sitting there watching it on my DVR, and I'm shocked and surprised when Ezra Miller's Barry Allen pops on the screen, and they both introduce each other as Barry Allen. Like, ah, no way! <laughs> so, yeah, and it was just one of those delightful ways to tie the two, the, the, the cinematic and the television universes together and say exactly what that article says. It's like, everything you've seen is right. Everything you will see is right. Everything. Everything is connected. It, it, go ahead. I was going to say, that sounds like a key, because listening to that, it kind of occurs to me with all the screaming about like the Star Trek reboot yes. or about the Star Wars sequels and stuff like that. I don't know that people hate alternate versions of their geek heroes or geek hero universes as much as they hate being told the geek hero they had 
and the universe they had is no longer relevant. And I, I sometimes wonder, because I love, I mean, I still remember as a kid being utterly blown away by Mirror Mirror, right, yeah. in Star Trek the original series. And it's like something where um, I, I just love al- alternate universe type things like that. I think right. it's always fun. The, the funnest things in DC when I would read the comics were always the alternate universe stuff. So I think it's, I think that kind of attitude may be may be key to what allows them to to do this and get away with it and not have the fans crawling up their ass and about anything. Gives them permission to change it in the future. Yep. Yeah. So. So I I think this is a super super smart move for DC. It's also kind of a way for them to skirt around the whole theatrical yeah. version of Justice League and then the Snyder cut of Justice League. It's Absolutely. Like it, both are both happened. Yep. The multiverse permits all. So yep. smart. And really, that's, really and, smart. And it is funny too cuz Ezra Miller has that line in the the uh in the Crisis crossover on the Arrowverse where he says like I told Cyborg this was possible before he fades off into whatever. So it's it's such a great little crossover and and I like that they're really kind of delving a little deeper into that with the Flash movie saying saying yeah, it's possible. You're going to see things that you haven't seen before and you're going to see things that you have seen before. I'm and I'm, it, I'm excited for this movie. And I I, I I still love the fact that they got Keaton you know, because you know, I remember when it was just in rumor territory, and I'm like, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. And then they got it signed, and it's like, it's going to happen. And then I'm like, well, you know, what does that mean about Affleck's Batman? Is that going to be, you know, just referenced? Or are they going to show it? And then they, you know, Affleck confirms that he's going to be in it. And I was like, that's cool, because that was a part that Affleck really wanted to play, and I thought he did a really good job with it. You know, some people poo-pooed his performance which i don't really understand why because i thought he played the older batman that's kind of at the at the end of his you know tolerance for all the stuff that's going on the the, kind of the tired grizzled you know bruce wayne who's like right on the verge of giving up but hasn't quite given up yet yeah, I, I thought he portrayed that very well i think he had a fine performance uh he did what he could with the script he was given yeah and let's be frank, the Batman v Superman script, what we got in the theaters versus what ended up in the director's cut, the director's cut is far superior. And I don't know. And when I tried to watch the director's cut, it looked like the same movie to me. That's because you put the disc in that didn't say director's cut. Oh, that's right. It's <laughs> 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 the same damn movie. I thought I was watching the director's cut. I've been ripped off. To, to be fair... I should have probably pulled that little paper insert that was in there out because it did cover up the director's edition disc. No, no, no. Jeff. But on, Jeff, the, on the other Jeff, hand, you played your part perfectly. He could have just <laughs> looked at both discs. <laughs> you played your part perfectly. It was fate. When he told me that, I was like, "You watched the theatrical that's also included." <laughs> I was expecting more. Hey, do you want to borrow the director's edition? <laughs> I, I I promise I'll take the theatrical disc out so there's no there's no chance that you will not. <laughs> I'll eventually take you up on that. Okay. that when, you, when you do, Jeff, you got to change the disc label. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see anything new, Jeff. <laughs> 
hour 45, he's like, God damn, this is still. There's, what it is, is it? It's not any longer. <laughs> Save Martha. <laughs> Why did you take that name? Why did you take that name? That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> the world would love you for it, Jeff. Yeah, they probably would. Because <laughs> you're all the bastards. All of you in the world. Yeah, by the Schadenfreude. way, what was your campaign slogan in Hobbit and uh, Torgo? Watch, I didn't have a campaign slogan. Watch your back. I didn't run for anything. I got mm-hmm. voted in. Good. I've, I've I've been conscripted. Well done, Hobbiton. Oh, and Team you, Torgo and gonna, was just. Uh, you're gonna love it when you find out what it is. Oh my god. Yeah, Team Torgo was just upset shit. with how he was being unfairly accused of everything you're by right. Team Vlarg. You are absolutely right. Is that what right. happened? That's exactly, I'm sure that's what it is. And <laughs> Team Torgo is right in that regard. <laughs> absolutely right. Team Vlarg can eat a dick. Okay. That's a good campaign. <laughs> <laughs> There's this campaign right there. Team Vlarg can eat a dick. Yeah. There you go. Join Team Torgo. Team Vlarg can eat a dick. Or a whole bag of dicks. Mm-hmm. Sure. How, as many dicks as they want to eat, but at least one. <laughs> really? As they want to eat? The first one is a must. The rest are an option. <laughs> there you go. And just have you, just a picture of you standing there holding a bag of dicks. <laughs> Would you like more? <laughs> I have more. There's more where that came from. <laughs> BBC Studios announced that the Daleks will be getting their own animated series as part of the franchise's Time Lord Victorious event. It will be the final installment of the multi-platform story that ties in multiple doctors while telling standalone yet interconnected stories across various mediums, including novels, comics, audio dramas, toys, and more. Titled Daleks, the uh, limited series will consist of five 10-minute episodes that will launch on the Doctor Who YouTube channel. Each part Hmm. will be available to watch for free. The short oh, cool. series will see the titular aliens come up against an ancient and deadly force while plundering the archive of Islos, resulting in their home planet of Skaro coming under attack and prompting the Dalek Empire to go on the run. With no one else to come to their aid, it will be up to the Daleks themselves to face this new adversary and retake their planet, possibly even teaming up with an old time and space traveling enemy in the process. Daleks will premiere on YouTube in November. Cool. Uh, Daleks, aren't they like space Nazis? Really? Um, not so much they're Nazis. They're goos just inside uh, little homemade mechs. Yeah, aren't they? yeah they're little little octopi things. Well, I mean, as far as like the storyline for the series goes, is they were humanoid at a certain point, and then Davros genetically engineered them to be soldiers, and and engineered them to be this kind of little octopus-looking thing that he did put in the the armored tank yeah. shell. But what's interesting is he engineered emotion out of them, so they were just ruthless because they had they had no conscience essentially. But uh, yeah, the Daleks Daleks are an interesting um, enemy because they do feel themselves to be superior to all life, and that's their whole reason for wanting to exterminate everything else. Space so, Nazis. But uh, I, I I like the idea of them doing an animated. That's that's kind of neat because. Um, it's an interesting choice, I will say that. Well, I mean, they've they've done the animated before, right. um, you know, with the the two different Patrick Trotton series. Sure, that they, you know, they had the audio tapes that they, which was interesting too, because they found fans that had recorded the audio of the show, 
before, you know, videotape, you know, home VCRs were available, but couldn't find any of the, you know, the actual video footage, but they had enough stills from, you know, the set that were taken at the time that they created this whole animated series. They did that twice, and then uh, they finished a Tom Baker um, episode that was partially filmed, uh, or I should say that the whole thing was filmed, but they were missing huge chunks of it, and they used animation to fill in the gaps because uh, they had the audio, um, the scratch audio from the set that they were able to piece it together. So I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like this idea of using animation to to fill in the gaps where when you don't have the source material anymore. Kind of like what I said what they did with the, the Blacklist uh, season finale where they had, you know, to shut down because of COVID and they had essentially filmed most of the episode, but you know, how are we going to finish and put it up on the, well, it wasn't even supposed to be the season finale, but how are we going to, you know, make use of this? And then they ended up using, um, an animation studio to, to fill in the missing scenes. I thought, I just thought it was brilliant. But, uh, having it, it'd be a standalone, it's probably the same studio too. I would think cause BBC keeps using the same animation studio for that stuff. So, but yeah, I think it's a cool idea. I used to do that all the time. I used to record movies on audio tape. Like, I'd have half-hour audio tapes, so it'd be like two to three tapes to get one movie. Yeah. So it's one of the reasons why I have almost the entire script of NeverEnding Story of European Vacation and Breakfast Club in my head. Ah. Because I would do chores and listen to these movies. So if so, anyone out there that needs to do an animated version of European Vacation because the video doesn't exist anymore, I got you. I got I, you. I used to do that too because I, I had this um, an old cassette recorder that had a, a record function and it had an aux mic in. And one of the TVs, it was an older TV, but it had a, a microphone or I should say an earphone out that I you know got an adapter, plugged it into this cassette recorder. And it was just a battery-powered cassette recorder, but it had an auto switchover, so it would record to the end of the standard cassette tape and then flip over and record on the other side. And so I, especially, like, I I got really interested in, like, comedy series when I was in my teens, and I so I'd, I would sit there and record them. Or I should say early teens. I would sit there and record the audio because, you know, you can listen to a comedy tape anywhere. You can sure. pop it in your car and... So there was some sketch comedy shows that I that I recorded. That, that was one of the things I used to do. I thought it was fun, and it was it was you know you pop it in the cassette player, you go on your trip, and you know laugh laugh away. <laughs> Absolutely, oh those days, right when we had limited entertainment options. Yes, <laughs> we do have an overabundance of entertainment options now. It is. It is truly fascinating because I think back, you know, we had four TV stations when I was a kid, you know, and it was all, that was before cable because I, we didn't get cable until I was, I think I was in junior high when we got cable. No. Wow, you got it early I think than it was, I did. Might've been fifth or sixth grade. I, I want to say it was like right around that time that we got cable because they brought the price down enough and. We were having trouble with the roof antenna and getting the local stations to come in. And then, uh, you know, from there it was just. We lived in rural route yeah. one. You can't get yeah. cable there. Yeah. You had, you had the, the antenna that was on that giant tower. Yes. 
with the little control on the top of the TV that would rotate the physically rotate. <laughs> yeah, it. And yeah, the motor up there would rotate it. That oh. was funny. So, what would you turn into a zombie movie? Write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. We'll yeah. talk to you next week in Geek. Doctor Who versus Zombies. You know, they they, he's, he's, I, they yeah. did actual official talks of bringing Doctor Who into Star Trek at one point. They, they, were, when? they were talking to Enterprise, the TV show Enterprise, wow. to do a crossover with Eccleston going into... That would have been fun. Right? I didn't know this. Yeah, the, but Enterprise got canceled, and right. so the, the talks dropped after that. But they were in the middle of talks and making that happen. So that's Crazy. that's that could have been. See, because I know they did that with the IDW comic series. They course. brought Star Trek oh, and, yeah. and Doctor Who together, but well, didn't I didn't know they actually had talks. That's that's fascinating, right? I had never heard yeah. that before. That's too bad it didn't happen. I, it hurts a little. Stop canceling Star Trek early, Paramount. Well, that's another one of those regime change things you were right? talking about because the whole reason Enterprise got canceled was the new heads of New Broom sweeps uh, clean. UPN did not want. They didn't like Star Trek. They didn't want it on anymore. They felt there were other teen dramas they could put on. And then, ironically... Other teen dramas? Yeah, because UPN had a lot of that stuff. Because a lot well, of I that mean, stuff got moved over to... But you said other teen... It sounds like... Yeah. Oh, Enterprise was a teen drama? Well, well depends on the episode. Okay, poor <laughs> choice of words, but...